All right, everybody, welcome back to the Norwood Noise. It is Wednesday, April 6th. Yes, two days after the national championship game. We gave it some time to digest. We gave it some time to settle down, so I wasn't so emotional coming into this podcast. Um, but yes, we do have a national champion, but we've got a lot, a lot, else, ooh, a lot else to cover as well. Um, we have final four matchups from Saturday. We have an NIT championship to cover, um, along with much, much else. So be looking forward to it. It's been a, it'll be a good episode. Um, but let's start off. Graham, sir, how are you? What can I do for you? What are we, what are we doing on this lovely Wednesday? Doing pretty good. Um, it's just occurred to me that there isn't much college basketball to look forward to for another 217 days. That's super unfortunate. Um, but, you know, plenty of news to go around the following months, so at least there's something to look forward to, you know, seeing highlights pop up on the feed and whatnot. You know, sure. It'll be a, definitely a bit busy off season, uh, more busy than usual. So I'm looking forward to that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alrighty, well, let's start it off. Let's get back to Saturday. Let's you know hold steady on the uh, on the NCAA tournament. We'll start with the Final Four. Um, the first game of the evening, Kansas Jayhawks against the Villanova Wildcats. Graham takeaways from this game. Anything crazy that pops out of you? Um, I got a couple things I'll note, but uh, I'll let you let you get at it first. Um, yeah, first thing that came to mind is that um, Villanova definitely looked. Like they needed their their secondary score. Um, there was definitely times where, you know, Gillespie's shot wasn't falling, and they were looking elsewhere from Daniels and Antoine to hit some big shots that just didn't fall. That I think Justin Moore would have been able to. Um, I thought that you know Daniels and Antoine's time to step up was, you know, not really met with uh, what some Villanova fans are probably expecting. At the end of the day, that even with Justin Moore, if he were able to play, still felt like this was Kansas's game. Um, McCormack's been kind of like the maybe like the the odd one out for this Kansas team all year, and he had probably the best game he's had all season. Um, and you even got your good old Mitch Lightfoot action within that. Um, I was. Did bit- you see on on April on April first they posted? KU posted like a two slide post and the first slide was like it was like the quote I'm back and it was like um, the University of Kansas and the NCAA has approved Mitch Lightfoot for a seventh year of eligibility <laughs> and then they swiped and it was like haha April Fools I saw, but it, it I totally saw. got me I was like oh my gosh there's no way but I'm sure there's some way that he found a loophole to get another year of eligibility yeah I thought that it also would have been funny because the same thing happened with Brad Davison in Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Okay, well, I'll let you continue now. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, not, not much else to add other than that, that I thought that uh, Kansas looks just, like, really good, that no matter what, um, you know, Villanova would have been able to throw at them with or without Justin Moore. I still think that the better team definitely moved on in that game. I would agree. Um, Kansas got the dream start. I mean, they came out. Let me just read you this first, like, three minutes of, two and a half minutes of gameplay. Jump ball won by Kansas. Ochai Abaji made three-pointer. Colin Gillespie missed three-pointer. David McCormick made jumper. Colin Gillespie turnover. Eric Dixon turnover. Uh, David McCormick made jumper. Brandon Slater turnover. Ochai Abaji made three. 
I mean, that is a pretty dream start there. Yeah, they started off so hot. Yeah, um, and it, it kind of just set the tone for the rest of the game. Um, I think the fact that KU showed early on that Ochai was going to be in the shots. He ended up 6-7 on the night. And they were also going to be able to get inside to David McCormick, who ended the night with 25. Um, really just set the tone that Villanova was really never going to be never really going to be competitive in this game. Um, apologies. Um, yeah, so it just I think it kind of set the tone early um, and definitely showed that uh, that it was never really going to be a close game, and it never really was. I mean, the closest the game ever got really was 29-38, so it was a nine-point game, or 11-point game at one point. Or, no, no, yeah, yeah, good math, Evan. Um, yeah, nine-point game at one point. Um, or, excuse me. It got down to an eight-point game. Um, but, yeah, it was so really outside of that, though. It, it seemed pretty comfortable for the Jayhawks the whole time. Um, you knew that run was coming late uh, from Villanova. You knew you weren't going to beat Villanova by that much. Um, and then the, the three, really, that, that, you know, told me that the game was over was Christian Brown's dagger three with, like, 245-ish left in the game. Um, it was funny because right before that, I was kind of looking at the box score and, Looking around, I was like, you know, there's really only one dude we haven't heard from tonight. It's Christian Brown. Like, he only had two points at that point. Um, it was just kind of like, huh, interesting. You know, he's not not really showing out like he usually does. Um, then dude hits two threes in, like, two possessions. And I was like, all right, sweet. Like, he's here. Um, one of them was that dagger three with, like, 2.45 to go. It was a quick little pass as the shot clock was running down from Jalen Wilson. He catches the ball and launches from, like, 40 feet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh okay you know and just splash down so good to see him hit that one and that was really the point of the game where for me personally I felt like alright this game's over um, that moved the score to 75-59 and Jayhawks obviously ended up winning 81-65 um, and in comfortable fashion especially with Villanova having kind of been the killers for them the last couple of years or last couple of times you know when they've gotten late to the tournament a final four and an elite eight loss to them in recent years definitely was good to uh, kind of put the nail in the coffin there so Alrighty, moving swiftly onward from the first game of Saturday night to the nightcap to what was, I mean, I don't know. I was Graham. I was talking about this, you know, with some friends, family. Arguably, I think this maybe was the most historic game in the history of college basketball. I mean, is that outlandish to say? Like, it's not outlandish to say. No, it's it's the biggest rivals in the game. Arguably, arguably one of the biggest rivalries in the world. Um, and you've got them playing with the stakes that high. Not only do you go to a national title, but it's also Mike Krzyzewski's last year in charge of the Duke Blue Devils. I mean, I think all of it kind of culminated to this moment that um, none of us could really, I, I don't think, appreciate fully and appreciate enough. And definitely something that I um, was excited to see. Um, you know, I, I think I think it lived up to all the hype. The only thing it could have been better is if it ended on the last possession. But outside of that, I mean, that Caleb Bluff three at the end to to um, to really cap it was was pretty awesome. So. All right, sorry about that. We had a couple mic issues here. Um, so we're just going to be going with the onboard mic uh, for the rest of today's episode, and we'll figure out what's going on with the other one here. So we're going to go with uh, this microphone here um, on the computer. So anyways, where we cut off was I was asking Graham, you know, his takes on arguably the most historic matchup uh, in NCAA tournament history. Graham, we'll, I'll yeah. let you take the floor. I thought it was pretty amazing to find out that these two teams have never met before. Yeah. Uh, an NCAA tournament, but you know, I thought it was almost poetic. If, if there was a time to do it, it'd be now. 
um, you know, with Coach K's last game and all. Uh, I think that also this game is going to be remembered, and I think Gonzaga, uh, Baylor will also be thrown into this category of like the final four games that have really launched us into this new era. I don't know if you felt the same way, but I felt the game was just so fast. A lot of early shot, uh, shot clock shots. While there weren't a lot of turnovers, I felt like the ball was like bouncing around a lot. There were high volume of shots. I enjoyed watching this game a lot. Um, and at the end of the day, I think that, you know, North Carolina having, uh, you know, Leaky Black, a senior, Brady Manica grad, senior, Armando Baycott, a junior, those older guys, I think those help you so much when it comes down to the end of the tournament, uh, just because of that leadership. And although, you know, Paulo Vancaro and Trevor Keels mainly had very good games. Adrian Griffin didn't have the best game, but although two of their main freshmen had good games, it still felt, you know, like that lack of, you know, experience hurt them down the stretch. Um, while North Carolina was able to take care of business, kind of have some ice in their veins and get better shots that they were getting uh, previous in the game because they didn't really shoot that well until it felt like the end of the game. I was very pleased with that game and. It was probably one of my favorites of the tournament. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that I think it did kind of live up to the expectations, which was awesome. I was a little bit worried that the players would be nervous. You know, the the environment would be you know a little bit too much for them, and and I was glad that glad that it kind of lived up to its uh, to its fruition. Um, I would agree. I think it did kind of usher in this new era of college basketball, um, and at the same time, kind of usher out. You know, with Coach K being kind of the older side of things um i I, my biggest takeaway though i'll leave it with this is north carolina can lose the next 10 games to duke and i don't think it's gonna matter like it like north carolina forever has this they they ended that's awesome that'll be great um they ended their their greatest coach of all time the greatest coach of all time's career at their rival school um both at home and in the tournament and that is just as a North Carolina fan right now, you are loving life. Mm-hmm. Like you cannot get any better than this. Um, I just, I it's it's unbelievable what the, what those kids did, how they did it, especially with such a short rotation too. Like they had you know five and a half, six guys that mainly played for them, um, and they rolled deep with them, and that was awesome to see. I love seeing it for Hubert Davis. I mean, he was just so proud of his guys. He was so happy for them. Um, you know, and, and good for him to kind of turn off all the haters, obviously, because there were a lot of people, you know, December, January, February, a lot of UNC fans that were like, hey, you know, do we, did we get this right? Did we hire the right guy? Um, you know, coming out of, um, you know, for North Carolina coming out at the start of the season, um, especially it was kind of funny because at the same time as Hubert Davis not doing well early in the season, there was a little bit there were, you know, Cincinnati was looking pretty good with Wes Miller. And there was a lot of talk like, hold on, did we get the wrong, you know, North Carolina guy to, to put into this spot? Um, so, yeah, I think it was really interesting. And, and I'm happy for Hubert. Um, you know, good to see him uh, have that success. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that is obviously the end of an era for, uh, for, for Duke and for, um, like, Krzyzewski. So um, definitely a great one to see and I would agree. I think they – the game really, um, you know, it had its uh, – had its 
it, it lived up to it all. So, and I, I loved, I loved too. It was definitely a game of runs, which I thought was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of back and forth, um, lots of big runs from either side. Um, so definitely really cool to see that. But yeah, I agree. It kind of started the new era of college basketball and was definitely an entertaining one to watch. So, alrighty. Well, with that in mind, we know our winners. We had Kansas and North Carolina in the national title on Monday night. Um, first, from an out, outsider's perspective, I'll, I'll, Graham, I'll shoot over to you and kind of let you talk on the um, the outside perspective and what you saw from it, um, and kind of let me know what your what your takes were from the outside of the game. Yeah, I re- holistically believe that this is one of my favorite championship games in a while. Um, I thought, you know, it started off, you know, with that huge North Carolina advantage, and it's like, oh my God, what is going on? Like, is this you know, eight seed kind of ragtag group of guys going to be able to, you know, top Kansas and their dominant run. And I, I started to count out Kansas. I think it got to 16 points and it was, you know, not looking so great um, for Kansas. And I just love that if there's a way to do it, it was combined group effort. Um, I mean, McCormack, you know, did his job playing so well against uh, Manic and Baycott. Like, I I honestly think he's going to be this unsung hero um, from this Kansas team. Well, absolutely, and I, and I still don't understand. I mean, I, I, I mean, I do understand because, like, of course you're going to give Ochai the the most outstanding player of the Final Four because he's, like, the face of the team and the score and all that. McCormick had better numbers than him. Like, David mm-hmm. McCormick should have won player of the tournament or player of the Final Four. Far more influential. Like, even Yo, if he yeah. had more points, he definitely – his presence was more felt. Yes. Um, but even with, like – even with that, you know, you know, Christian Brown and Ochai and Remy Martin and Jalen Wilson all just pitching in just a little bit. I was so happy to see that instead of, like, a takeover game, you know – I like takeover games in the NBA. I like <laughs> team games in, in college basketball. And I just had so much fun with this game. Watching Kansas come back was really one of the reasons why I had such a fun time uh, with this game. Only gripe about this, and I'm not a huge fan of the uh, football stadium Final Fours. I, mean, yeah. I think that I'm not alone in that. I mean, I know that they love pumping in 70,000 people in those. Well, no, did you see it was, this is perfect, 69,420 oh, was the final attendance. That's um, just perfect. Yeah, it just you couldn't get any better than that. Um, I don't know if you saw, Evan, but Mono Baycott, you know, is going down, you know, power dribble, kind of jump stop, and the floorboard I did see this, that it, upward, it looks like it kind it of fluctuated. Like he sprains his ankle. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you just don't see that when you're playing on a hard surface that's Absolutely. insulated by 14 levels instead of on top of the stage kind turf. of deal. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I was kind of upset about that. I don't think it changes the outcome of the game. I think once Kansas had that mojo, there's no looking yeah. back. But at the same time, you know, it, it stinks for, um, you know, another Final Four injury to happen. I mean, obviously yeah. the most notables are Kevin Wares of the world, but now with another sprained ankle, it kind of just makes you think about like how much more can we see in these championship games from high-profile players? Like this right. isn't like the senior walk-ons like yeah. getting hurt. I think that it's either you know time to think about how we're setting up the court, or maybe just do away with 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I believe me, I'm all on board with that. I wish that, that we could get rid of the um, the football stadiums, but I, I unfortunately, you know, think it's kind of inevitable. You have to stick with the, uh, with the larger capacities and things like that, just because that's that's the way it is. That's how the NCAA is going to do it. Um, but totally agree with you. And yeah, I did see I did see a little chatter that the floorboard kind of fluctuated on in there, um, and you hate to see that. Like obviously, that's never how. Myself as a Kansas fan, I wanted to win that game or how I wanted to see my team win that game. So, you know, that was unfortunate. Um, but as you do, you you move on and you move about your day. So, um, and, I, and I agree, I think the game was fairly in hand all the way up until Dewan Harris stepped out of bounds with four seconds to go. Um, and at that point, there was a lot of, you know, obviously completely joking, but some KU speculation about the the Columbia, Missouri guy, is he he's the one that's gonna step out of bounds with, you know, a few <laughs> seconds left in the title game. Um but yeah, no, it was definitely a, an interesting one and just fun to be a part of, obviously, be you know, being on that side of things. Um forty seven to twenty nine KU outscored North Carolina in the second half. Jeez. Um no real surprise there. Um obviously knowing how well they shot. KU shot thirty percent from the field in the first half, uh, and then came back shoot over fifty in the second. Um that's their third game in a row that they did that. Um, and, yeah, just really, I mean, like you said, Dave McCormick was unbelievable. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Ochai had, you know, played his role, did his thing. Um, Christian Brown had a great night. Um, he had 12-12. and 12. Um, So, yeah, that was awesome. There were, if, if you were to guess, Graham, I'll, I'll turn this over to you, how many double-doubles do you think were in the game on Monday night? Both teams? Yeah, both teams combined. Six. That's a really good guess. There were five. Mm-hmm. So you had Armando Baycott had 15 and 15. Brady Manick had 13 and 13. R.J. Davis had 15 and 12. And then on the Kansas side, David McCormick had 15 and 10. Christian Brown had 12 and 12. Um, I will say someone that didn't really show up as much as I kind of thought he would um, until late was Jalen Wilson. Um, he had 15, as many rebounds as he usually does. Um, but he was another, I think, unsung hero of the tournament. Um, yeah, he was a little bit quieter uh, in the national title game. Early, kind of turned on late. Um, but yeah, the starting lineup for KU, 15, 15, 12, and 12. Um, then Dewan Harris only had two, but then coming off the bench, Remy Martin had 14. Um, Remy was four of six from the three-point line. Um, thank goodness for that, because otherwise, I, yeah, I, I don't know what happened. KU shot 57% from the free throw line, which was abysmal um, and kind of freaked a lot of us out down the stretch there. Um, but definitely glad to see them get take, get that taken care of. Um, and obviously, you know, worth noting the biggest comeback in NCAA championship history. So down 16 at one point in the first half, came all the way back from down 15 and a half, came back and uh, secured the victory. So pretty wild, can't believe it. Um, and yeah, this I think this cements Bill Self as the greatest coach in KU history, and arguably, I mean, maybe the greatest coach active right now. You know, with Mike Krzyzewski stepping down, um, definitely think he's up there for uh, for greatest coach out there. So, was a scene on Lauren and Lawrence on Monday night. It was a lot of fun. It was really cool, um, and just to be around the whole atmosphere and everything was awesome. So, um, I'll leave it at that. Graham, you got anything else to uh, Graham? You got anything else to mention? Um, no, not not really. Not really. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a scene. It was awesome, and yeah, I think it kind of. You know, it's funny. Bill Self said before this game that 
um, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, I'm not, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he was saying like, um, you know, with how many good teams we've had, we should be winning more titles. Um, and to see him finally get that one and get that second one done and a little bit longer time than I think a lot of people expected for a Kansas team, especially when, you know, you've had the seeds you've had. I mean, he, you know, Bill Self as a KU coach has never been ranked below a four seed. Um, and that was only once in a three seed twice. Um, so all those other ones were ones and twos. Um, you know, considering all that, kind of took maybe took it a little too long, I guess. Um, people would say to to get that second title, but um, yeah, definitely glad that you know got the monkey off his back a little bit, got that one done, and uh, we'll see what you know. We'll see what happens in the future. Obviously, Adidas violations hanging over the head with FBI cases and things like that. Um, I don't even know if KU will have a chance to. Um, repeat as champions next year um definitely a, a good chance at a postseason ban um and then we'll see what happens with self um i think there, you know there's a lot of chatter about you know him getting suspended things like that you know a lot of i've seen a lot of chatter about well you got to fire him then right if he gets suspended for a significant amount of time and like i don't know like do you really like you know what happens when you know one of the assistants is the you know, coach for the year, Chris Townsend coaches for a year, Norm Roberts coaches for a year or whatever, and then, you know, Bill Self comes back and he's on a lifetime contract. Like, you know, you move on. So uh, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens um, with the five level one allegations and, and seeing those kind of come through and the punishments come through. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll see what the future holds. But right now I definitely think as a K fan, you got to enjoy it, got to live in the moment. Um and kind of make the most of the of the time being. So, great win for the Jayhawks. Good way to end the season. Um, and obviously it was a fun one, Graham. It was a fun one to have uh, with you, kind of going, being able to overanalyze everything each week. Uh, definitely enjoyed it. Um, and, yeah, so we'll wrap with our final Musketeer Minute of the year. Graham, take it away, sir. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were both, you know, debating if the NIT – you know, playing in it was the right decision or not. And I think that it proved to be one of better decisions that they've made all year. Uh, coming out as champions, you know. Two-time national champ this year. Yeah, going, going through uh, three SEC schools um, was pretty cool as well. Um, and, you know, winning for, you know, the fan base, winning for Paul since he wasn't able to compete uh, due to the ACL surgeries, you know, facing. And I just thought that they played with so much, you know, energy. Um, and I love it, you know, that they were ahead um, and they weren't, and then they had, you know, had to scrape back. And then once they got there, you know, they had to take control a little bit. Um, you know, Nunji with a great shot at the end of regulation to you know, kind of give us that lead and, you know, the ball bounces a few ways and I think that we kind of just needed that. And we were due to have some good energy uh, back here on Victory Parkway. And I think it sets up um, what's going to be a pretty interesting um, and cloudy summer. I think, you know, when you win a huge game like that and no matter what level of competition or what they call it, you know, you still want a championship playing some of the best, with some of the better programs um, in the country. So when you, they're able to go into the off season with that positive note, 
Um, I think it helps out the coaches and players um, realize what they're, you know, what they're working for. I feel like if we didn't play in the NIT and you know we're leaving on that sour taste from the Butler game, I think this summer would have been a lot different. Um, but now that they're able to win, they have a little bit more confidence. Um, I think even with the coaching change, a lot of guys will still want to hang around uh, because of what they built here. Maybe they would add on to that legacy that they just started. Yeah, totally. I agree. I think it was huge in, in letting, you know, kind of the players see what is possible here. Um, and it, I think it was good for kind of the relationships on the team a little bit, too. Um, I think I grew some chemistry. A lot of guys started really, you know, you know, hanging with each other and, and enjoying each other's time a little bit more. Um, Colby Jones leading the way with 21 points on Championship Thursday was something that one, I didn't expect to see, and two, I also love to see at the same time. Um, him leading the way in the score on the score sheet is something that I think could be a lot more prevalent in years to come um, with his announcement that he will be staying here. Um, so excited to see that one. Um, he was definitely one of the ones I was most concerned about. Um, so to see that he'll be staying and, and moving forward with Sean Miller, I think will be great. Um, in that same boat, uh, Dewan Odom will be Opening his transfer portal options, again, that does not mean he is gone. That just means that he will be surveying other options. He could very well come back. Um, but as I think we've all kind of discussed, now that Jonas Hayes has now taken the position at Georgia State as head coach, probably a pretty good chance that he is um, either at Georgia State or at least not at Xavier um, next year. But congrats to Jonas Hayes. Man, that guy, that was awesome. Watching him embrace his brother and his mother on the court there after winning the NIT. That was so, so cool. Um, great reporting by ESPN. Great job by the producer to leave the camera on that for a second. Super emotional moment. Super awesome to see on camera. Um, made me really happy for him. Um, and I think it kind of solidified his spot um, as a head coach. You know, I think I knew someone was going to pick him up or at least give him the opportunity. Obviously, Sean gave him the opportunity to stay as an interim head coach or as a, um, uh, an associate head coach here at Xavier. But Again, good to see Jonas get, you know, Coach Hayes get his proper um, designation as a head coach, and I'll be excited to see what what comes from him. Um, I, I think there will be a lot of Panthers fans here uh, now at, at Xavier, you know, moving forward. So everybody's happy for him. Good to see that. Good to see that story, um, and obviously happy to see him get uh, what was coming his way eventually. So, yeah, congrats to Xavier. Huge, huge win. Um, Definitely happy, and I think it was funny. The vibe around campus was originally it was like eh, NIT, whatever. No one cares. No one's gonna go to the games. No one's gonna watch the games. And I think once we get to the title game, like everyone was pretty excited about it. Mm -hmm. um, everyone really enjoyed watching watching them play. You know, for such a high six matchup, and it was like I said, it was definitely good to uh, amend some of those losses from Madison Square Garden just as a whole. Uh, have some good memories to go back to next year for the Big East tournament. So. Definitely good to see Xavier get that win, and I'm I'm absolutely you know over the moon and happy for him, happy for those guys, and happy for Jonas on the on the success that they completed this year with. So, alrighty, well that will I think wrap it up for the season. Um, Graham and I have discussed we haven't made a final decision. We're either going to do weekly. It's just going to kind of depend on news flow. It's going to be entirely news flow dependent um, on coaching changes and. Um, you know, transfer portal stuff, all that good stuff. Um, but we'll obviously keep you updated through the offseason. Graham, thanks for a great first year of this, man. This was really enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, season two coming your way. 
you know, next week or the week thereafter. It'll be quick. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that out later. But, yeah, um, season two will be coming your way soon, and uh, we'll keep you updated on transfer portal and coaching changes and all that good stuff. In the meantime, possibly some allegations being dropped, um, things like that. So, yeah, we will keep you updated on all that. Can't wait to see um, what the future holds for, for these teams, this podcast, the NCAA tournament, all that is great about this sport and this uh, tournament and this game. So definitely have enjoyed recapping it with you this year, Graham. And, uh, yeah, we will see you all very, very soon here, Wednesday, April 6th, 7 Shibble, Graham Griffith, signing off on Season 1 of the Norwood Noise Podcast. We'll see you later.